This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It is a crime to travel internationally uh, with a goal of supporting terrorism or engaging in terrorism. Uh, and that is a crime that we will continue uh, to uh, make all attempts to prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. So you're not open to him coming to Canada? We continue to recognize that it is a crime to travel for the purpose of uh, engaging in terrorist activities. Okay, that's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, speaking about Jihadi Jack. What a saga this is. Jack Letts, he's uh, better known as Jihadi Jack, especially in the British media. He is a British-Canadian man who traveled to Syria to join ISIS fighters in 2014. He was captured by Kurdish forces there. He has been in a prison in northern Syria ever since. Now, he wants to come back to Canada now. He was not born in Canada. He was born in the UK. But look what the United Kingdom did this week. They stripped him of his British citizenship. So he no longer has British citizenship. He is still, though, a Canadian citizen, he wants to come to Canada now. Have a listen to this. He spoke to ITV News last night from a Kurdish jail cell in northern Syria. Here he is. The British government, even if they didn't strip me of my British citizenship, it's almost as if I'm not a British citizen anyway. Uh, these things, they have uh, very little meaning to me, to be honest. I don't actually think having British citizenship is a big deal. I've always felt that I'm a mix. And I've been to Canada seven times, and I spent a lot of time in Canada. My whole family is Canadian, and I have no relatives in Britain anyway. Everyone's in Canada. And yeah, I, I always expected Canada would help me, and they didn't. You know? uh, I hope Canada does take me from here if they can. They take me to Canada. That would be good. Okay, Jack Letts, a.k.a. Jihadi Jack, speaking in a Kurdish jail cell in Syria. He wants to come to Canada now. Should Canada take him in? We got a great panel here to talk about just that now. Amarnath Amar Singham is on the line. He is an assistant professor at the School of Religion, Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Thanks. for having me. Thank you for coming on. Also on the line is Mubin Sheikh. He is a former undercover operative for CSIS and the RCMP involved in the fight against ISIS. Hi, Mubin. Hey, thanks for having me. Currently, thank you, Mubin. Thank you for being here. Uh, Amarnath, let me go to you first. Jihadi Jack, Jack Letts, should we let him into Canada? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, I, I think every Canadian citizen who's currently in prison over in Syria, um, and right now we have about uh, six men, nine women, and eighteen children by my count. Um, the vast majority of children are under five. Um, I think I think they all uh, should be let back into Canada. Uh, arrested and charged if possible and um, should should face do uh, do justice why do you think they should be allowed back into Canada after they've gone over to fight with a with an organization as odious as Isis it's terrible yeah I mean I, I think I think they're currently in they're currently in Kurdish uh, custody and I don't think the Kurds um, are, are really equipped to handle them in any in any meaningful way in the long term. I was there in October, and it was pretty clear even then um, that they're not uh, capable of keeping uh, thousands of prisoners and thousands of women and children um, 
in their custody for the extended period of time. They don't have the resources. Uh, children are dying in their custody. Um, and I, I don't think uh, it's their responsibility uh, and our, our kind of moral responsibility to put the burden on them to kind of continue to care for our citizens. Okay, let's, let me go to Mubin Sheikh now, who works with CSIS and the RCMP in the fight against ISIS. Mubin, should we take Jihadi Jack into Canada? Well, I think uh, only if we're forced to. I think a better argument or a reasonable argument remains that he committed crimes, uh, you know, on foreign soil. And there are countries out there that have legal jurisdiction to to take custody of these people and to punish them. Now, the problem is, of course, is that we should, of course, have an expectation of some kind of rights as Canadian citizens. And Iraq, what they've been doing is they've really been executing a lot of people the trials don't last very long. Um, they're not very credible. So uh, rather than us, you know, kind of shrug our shoulders and, and think, well, Iraq is no good, so we got to take them back, I think we should try to assist in the creation of an international tribunal uh, to try them over there according to due process principles. Okay, do you think he's going to get any due process in Syria, though? Uh, not Syria. I mean, Syria is completely compromised. I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. accept that. Uh, Iraq, though, Iraq has is still a legitimate player in this regard. I, I understand. I totally get it. You know, their system is not like our system. But I also kind of see it from their perspective, which is, hold on a second. Your people came to our country and committed these crimes, and you're telling us we can't punish them according to our laws. So that's another problem. Let me go back to Amarnath Amar Singham from Queen's University. Amarnath, why do you think it would be better to bring it, bring him here? I mean, do you think there's a greater risk in, in leaving these foreign fighters in, in these foreign jails? Are they a greater risk over there than bringing them back into to Canada to face justice here? Um, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's they're, they're currently living in a kind of legal limbo. So all the men are in prisons uh, near Kamishli in, in northwestern northeastern Syria. All the women and children are in uh, a variety of IDP makeshift IDP camps uh, close by. Um, and we're now dealing with a situation where the Americans might pull out of northeastern Syria and the SDF and the Kurds largely watch these prisons uh, with the support of the Americans. And so if the Americans leave, um, you, there's a real possibility that the Syrian regime uh, might try to take back some Kurdish territory. There's a real threat that the Turkish government might invade uh, northeastern Syria and take control of cities where these prisons and camps actually exist. Um, and so it, it's just a bizarre um uh, not not bizarre, but it's it's a kind of uncertain uh, situation that they that we find ourselves in, and I think um, if we don't want a situation where they somehow these highly uh, trained individuals somehow get back into the battlefield and join uh, other organizations, um, I think it's imperative that we kind of bring them back and charge them here. Um, as, as my friend Stephanie Carvin says, you got to deal with your own garbage if you're a Western country, right? And I think. And I think it's important that we uh, stick to those values and, and, and try to charge them here. Mubin, this is a guy, I think if you asked a lot of Canadians, a lot of Canadians might say, look, this guy went to Syria to fight with ISIS. He's been quoted in the media as saying he would be willing, he was willing to do a suicide attack while with ISIS. A lot of people, a lot of Canadians might say, just let him rot. Why bring him back into Canada? Just let him rot in that jail cell in Syria. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, somebody like him, I don't mind if he does rot in a prison cell over there, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. I am a little bothered by the women and children situation. I mean, the children, of course, 
uh, even though uh, my friend Amarnath and I are on the opposite ends on this on this topic, we agree the children are innocent and we should do what we can to to repatriate them. But that will open larger questions right now of taking custody of those children away from the mothers, possibly prosecuting the mothers. It's it's a real mess because some you know for the for the psychological stability of that child they need the mother, but when the mother is the adverse influence. You know, when you take that kid, when you take the mother away, you know, it's going to be very difficult for that child to, to reintegrate and to, you know, to kind of make sense of what's happened to them. So yeah. none of the options are good. Um, you know, if 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 they can be tried in the international tribunal, that's, of course, ideal. I understand that it's coming to a point where we want a quick resolution. Keep in mind, even if we take back, what is it, by Amarnath's count, uh, 33 people, I mean, that's not even a drop out of that ocean of others that will continue to remain in that kind of custody. And just one last thing about, you know, it's not our garbage that we dumped over there. You know, security services were trying to prevent people from leaving. There was a lot of uh, of pushback, actually, against security services when they were trying to do that. So it's not like we, you know, voluntarily sent these people over and now we got to deal with them. Canada is not at fault here in any way and that's something that i think we should all remind ourselves of amarnath what do you say to that no i think that's absolutely right it's not it's not canada's fault but i don't think uh that's the argument i think the argument is that these these young people were radicalized within our borders um and and they are our citizens and by that by that very fact if if citizenship is to mean anything we have to respect uh, respect what it means and, and and deal with our citizens I, I totally understand from from a from a Canadian perspective um, you know th- th- these guys joined an organization that provided second chances to very few people they executed and and massacred uh, thousands of people they also right. uh, quite openly uh, burned their passports and renounced their citizenship and now uh, they turn around and say actually I want that citizenship back I want that citizenship respected and at the same time I want a second chance I want uh, be able to be able to come back and uh, try to live my life so I get I get the pushback. It's just I don't. Right. I, I think there's a broader. <clears throat> I think there's a broader argument to be made that uh, the national security situation in the region is volatile. Uh, that uh, there's a kind of moral argument to be made that Syrians and uh, Iraqis have suffered enough. Civilians have suffered enough there under the hands of foreign fighters. The thousands of foreign fighters have traveled over there, and they shouldn't have to kind of continue to house the burden. Uh, of our citizens, even though they had nothing to do, you know, they're, they're just as much as victims as, as anything. So um, they, they, they shouldn't just be left there, I think. Okay, here's what I'll you do, know, guys. Can, I'll can do... I just... Yeah, move in real quick. Just, just real quick. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, look at, look at what's being said here. They've committed these sorts of crimes, murder, rape, pillaging. And what's, what's going to happen to them when they come back? You know, giving a second chance, that's great, but... These people have blood on their hands. They killed people. And we don't just easily uh, say, oh, you know, just shrug our shoulders and say, oh, well, you know, nobody can try them. We can't offload them to other countries who want to execute them. Now we're left with, you know, the, the, the leftovers, basically. So it's a bad situation, you know, and I don't think we need to be in a rush to repatriate some of them. Jihadi Jack Saga Jack Letts. He's the British Canadian man who went to Syria to join ISIS fighters in 2014, captured by the Kurds in northern Syria. He's been in jail there ever since. He wants to come to Canada now. My guests are Amarnath Amar Singham from Queen's University, Mubin Sheikh. He works with CSIS and the RCMP in the fight against ISIS. Mubin, let me ask you about your background. You got an amazing story here. 
you uh, are co-author of the book Undercover Jihadi. You used to be associated with the Taliban, right? Yeah, in my teenage years, I similarly went through a period of radicalization, came to support the Taliban shortly thereafter. A guy named Osama bin Laden, maybe you heard of him. Uh, then 9-11 happened, made me rethink my commitment to the cause. I went to Syria, I studied Islam, de-radicalized, came back to Canada and basically signed up on the dotted line and joined the intelligence service as an undercover, worked with them for a few years. Uh, a bunch of guys got arrested in what was called the Toronto 18 case in 2006, oh, yeah. spent four years in court actually prosecuting these offenses. So when we talk about, you know, even the prime minister saying he believes it's a crime for these people to dot, 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 you know, prosecuting, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove in court. Uh, so I sat in a court context in that regard uh, for four years, uh, was done in 2010, got out, saw the rise of ISIS in real time, and I've been on this file since. Okay, Mubin, if you were able to become de-radicalized like, like you described there, what about this jihadi jock? Because he's kind of saying the same thing now. He's saying, well, I made mistakes, I want to change my ways. Don't you? Th what about? Shouldn't maybe maybe we should bring him back to Canada and de-radicalize him over here? But you don't think we should do that, right? Well, look, I mean, de-radicalization is not a magic bullet, right? And and, and it works in a case by case basis. Uh, I'm sure he he says and maybe even believes all these things. And I don't, you know, I don't question that much that he's uh, remorseful after the conditions that he's in. Um, but again, what what I worry about is that assessment uh, of him, right? Who's going to do that? You know, I want to be sure that whoever is doing that is watching out for, you know, deception detection, uh, because we've seen this, you know, we've seen where they, they will say exactly what you want to hear uh, in the hopes that they'll get a lower sentence and then, you know, lay low for a few years and then they're out. So uh, while I don't exclude him from being able to be de-radicalized, you know, I just, I proceed with, uh, with a large amount of caution. Amarnath, what do you think of that? No, I think that that's completely accurate. I mean, it's not it's not a question of uh, perfect science. I mean, um, you know, just because we have firefighters doesn't mean there's not going to be any more fires. Um, there, there, it's it's not a perfect science, and we're we're kind of working towards f figuring out ways to um, do an assessment with these guys, do a risk assessment with these guys, and it's it's, it's always going to be. Uh, a level of uncertainty there. But I think one thing we have to keep in mind, and I don't know if many Canadians even realize this, is like we have foreign fighters, returnees back in Canada already from a whole host of previous conflicts from Somalia, from Chechnya, Bosnia, uh, Afghanistan, uh, even from Sri Lanka. And so this idea that um, it, we're only now dealing with this problem or we this is a kind of new phenomenon um, it, it's completely untrue. I mean, we, we, we have people who fought in conflicts abroad back in Canada already from a variety of different conflicts, and we haven't had a single attack by a returnee in Canada in, in its entire history. So, um, you know, we do have to keep, we, have, we do have to keep in mind that, the, yeah, when they say I'm reformed, when they say I'm apologetic, take it with a grain of salt. But um, at the same time, we, we do know that things like battle fatigue and um, moving on with your life and de-radicalization does happen. People do quit terrorist groups. That's happened uh, all the time in, in uh, countries abroad as well. So um, it's not it's not only Canada that's dealing with this, and it's not just an ISIS phenomenon. This is a there's a broad history uh, of okay. this that we should keep in mind. We just have one minute left, guys. Mubin, you're kind of living proof of that de-radicalization, aren't you? 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's it's kind of ironic that I'm taking a hardline stance when it comes to these people, largely because I am a Muslim, and because of what this group has done to the image of Islam, to the situation of Muslims, uh, I remain very tough on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mercy is not reserved for these people, it's reserved for the victims of these people. So I'm going to take the hardline position when it comes to this stuff, totally because of my own personal life bias, yes. <laughs> Gentlemen, I want to thank both of you for coming on for uh, doing an excellent panel on this important topic. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. Amar's a great guy to have as well, so thanks. Thank you, guys. Amarnath Amar Singham, he's a, an assistant prof at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Mubin Sheikh, he's a former extremist with the Taliban who turned undercover operative with CSIS and the RCMP.